0: Life Audio. So welcome to Gospel Rant. I'm Dr. Bill Siniard. This is the final and 10th episode of my new series, Power to Change, P2C10. Do you want to accomplish your dreams, Christian? Are you tired of being an underachiever? Do you want to succeed, change the world a little or a lot? I mean, You can listen, and I used to, secular positive attitude gurus, they'll preach to you that that you have an innate greatness within you. You're more powerful than you could ever imagine, greater than your circumstances, that you don't have to be a victim anymore. The problem is you choosing to rise up over your circumstances, choose to be great, choose to. Listen to this clip. What you will realize is that you have greatness within you, what you'll realize is that you're more powerful than you can ever begin to imagine. What you will realize is that you are greater than your circumstances, that you don't have to go through life being a victim. So it's partly right and partly way off, way off base. I mean, if there is no God and if there's no God who, whose spirit dwells within you, yeah, what, what this guy said is pretty magnetic and pretty attractive, pretty titillating. And such rhetoric feeds on our flesh. Uh, by the way, not the spirit. Uh, Paul will tell you that also within you are works of the flesh. These are self-centered, self-focused, subconscious, uh, victimizing, blinding destructive powers that work against you being all that you can be. And I'm not talking about, you know, and like Darth Vader or some other e- evil psychopath. This These works of the flesh are in good folk. Christians, heaven-bound, you cannot just choose to ignore them as this subconscious bent or or put them in a box. They are you. I mean, they are you as you are now, right? They're inner working models that have been caused because you've been beat up and life has been ugly to so many of us, right? But you can, as Jesus followers, access heavenly sourced power from God through the spirit in your inner being so that, you know, those works of the flesh can can begin to be diminished and you can you can accomplish more than you've dreamed of. Jesus said so. You'll do greater works than him. It's crazy. And people will notice. The kingdom will grow. You see, you can't do it. You can't. Uh, you you have access to it, right? And how? <laughs> Ask. I don't know why we've made it so hard. That's the simple, uncluttered gospel that, that you've been saying, I hope, and hopefully it's been making a difference. Let me know. Bill at gospel-app.com. Love the testimonies. going to put them on the website. And that pushes against the collective works of the flesh. So in this show, we'll look at five more fruit of the Spirit. It's not a shame thing here. It's, it's not. We're not going to say you just need to lean into it. You just need to do these more. Matter of fact, don't do that. Uh, this is what The fruit is what looks like when the Spirit's power is bubbling up over in you. And how? Just ask. And don't settle for less. I have faith in you that you can do it. Better, I have faith in the Holy Spirit that He can do it in you. So let's have some fun. It's critical. And again, let me know what you think after the show. Bill at gospel-app.com Thanks for listening. We will take a word from our sponsors and get right into a very important question. Well, here's a question that must be asked. Isn't this just Christian elitism? Pastor Bill, Dr. Bill, are you saying that non-Christians can't get this? They can't be good or kind or gentle or loving? They don't have joy? Sounds a bit arrogant, right? No, I'm actually saying kind of the opposite. None of us can be gentle and loving and kind and joyful, not the way Jesus is, right? Right? Well, look, there are natural legal fruit Jonathan Edwards calls them and you know, we we could get it as good as anybody else and everybody else, but it's subhuman compared to what we could be achieving through the Holy Spirit. We are as big a failure as everybody else, right? That's not elitism, that's pretty much d- democracy. In a real sense we Christians just can't do it. We must subject ourselves regularly In an admitted need, empty hands and receive fruit from its only source, the Holy Spirit in us. That's not elitism at all. Nothing in my nature is any better than anyone else. What makes me a totally new creation is the Holy Spirit in me. And I can access his innate DNA. And and Paul calls that fruit. We're going to look at a few. Kindness. Christotes. So it's be generous and beneficent towards others for their sake. That's important for their sake. Not for your sake, but for their sake, their benefit. Uh, Not yours, right? Not mine. It's not grabbing. It's not competitive or using people to give you an experience. This is not demanding relationships. It's just the opposite. It's doing and giving to others. This is a redemptive attribute of God. It's his kindness that invites us to run to him daily to give us a new motivation and power to do good to others. Here's Paul. Paul. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? You know, we thought it was his law. We thought it was his anger, his wrath, and and fear of that. Well, Paul says it's this kindness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It softens us. Here's number two, goodness, agathosune. It's often seen in tandem with with kindness generosity as opposed to envy or jealousy it's a genuine delighting to see the other lifted up you know perhaps a community related uh, term related to the old testament righteousness I want to see other people do well and the only way that I can do this on a regular basis is is if I'm my cup is already filled with the fullness of God Ephesians 3 You, you don't need victory You don't need a prize. You don't need of boys, of girls to feel good because you're already feeling God's approval. Yeah? Here's another one. Faithfulness. Pistis. Boy, do we get this wrong. Pistis in the Greek is used 22 times by Paul in Galatians. And this is the only time the translators render it faithfulness. It's really faith. The fruit of the Spirit is faith. Faith. All right, Uh, here's Paul. We know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith. And those are noun in Christ Jesus. So we too have put our faith as a verb of faithing in Christ Jesus so that we we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. So this faith is the God-sourced present ability, power, power, actually get it, to believe, to accept that Jesus did accomplish all of the gospel on my behalf right now. So I maybe have had a bad week or month or year or decade and I don't feel right about who I am. I don't feel like a good Christian. I feel like I've messed up and I wonder if God is alive or if he's good or if he's alive and he likes me or cares for me at all. I'm afraid of dying, I'm afraid of living, I'm afraid of relationships, all the paranoia. I feel empty, I feel not right, I feel ashamed. And so the message from the pulpit, when I go to church, if I go to church, it just seems to beat me up and shame me even more. So, a bunch of red flags, right? Faith. And so then I hear something or become aware of my situation or my feelings and miraculously I remember that I'm at the cross, that the Holy Spirit is in me, that I hold up empty hands, that I plead to be filled with his faith. See, I remember I need help. I need the power to have the truths of the gospel applied to my heart so that now I can actually see my life and situation through that lens. Uh, here is an ad- addiction prayer, a- addiction posture of the ground prayer. It's available on our website, gospel app, prayer card. Uh, and just listen to this. And this is that... Clinging, longing, asking, begging, uh, asking for faith, all right? Jesus, I'm back. I did it again. The very thing I swore that I wouldn't do, I couldn't seem to help it. I am far more broken than I ever thought. I'm ashamed. I'm riddled with remorse and guilt and fear. I'm just tired. I need to ask Jesus, did you die for that sin, my most recent one, against you and others and myself? The actions driven by my addiction? You did? It's paid for completely? Well, make me believe that now. Meaning, give me pistis now. I need to ask another question. Do you still like me, love me, as I am, not as I should be? You do? I mean, as much as you love your father and he loves you, you do? Make me believe that too, pistis. Make me, give me that fruit. I have another question. If I was to look up into your eyes right now, would I see that you adore me as I am, the addict, knowing that I promised to kick the habit and didn't, knowing that I'll probably disappoint you again and and again? I would see your adoration for me as I am again? That's the gospel. Make me get that now, pistis, right? Empower me, pistis, to look up. Give me the capacity, pistis, to be willing to take this burden off and hand it to you again. See, it's asking for this fruit to bubble up. Uh, you can do this, addict. If you haven't been doing it, then start doing it little by little. Uh, get the get this gospel app prayer card and get on with it. Right, do the simple and cluttered gospel addicts card. Get on with it. Uh, stop trying so hard and do this. You see, when you ask, and the Holy Spirit makes you by extending His faith in you and through you, his, not yours, and the righteous will live through that faith, his heavenly source faith, not yours. This is written to Christians, so he's not speaking of salvation faith, right? This is an ongoing walking faith so that we can actually walk in step with the spirit today. And without such an ongoing rush of faith, all that I can do is to work hard and shine up my natural fruit. And how's that gone for you? It's tiring. Right? And I, maybe I can pull off sprints, but never a long race, right? But as a child of his, I have an ongoing invitation to run to God with empty hands that clearly lack such faith, that have until just recently been working so hard to earn God's favor, uh, to, to earn a miracle from him, that he would actually, right, I'm just working way hard, but now I can admit it that I was living like an orphan, like I wasn't even saved. And now I want to remember who I am in Christ. I'm an adopted, fully adopted son of, of God. And that makes a, uh, that makes a big difference. And, and it accesses power to me. All right. Another fruit, gentleness, proud taste. Uh, blessed are the meek, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. That's the proud for they will inherit the earth. So who is Jesus speaking to? Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Look, these were not people who had learned the careful art of self-importance, right? They would not be the prima donnas, the divas, the stars, the religious, the pretentious, the arrogant. These were the losers. These were the bottom of the societal food chain, the beat up, the religious failures. They, They wouldn't have been invited to the temple probably not the synagogue. They came to Jesus empty handed. And, you know, they wanted to be healed. They, this was not a demanding crowd. No one on the hillside was demanding a trailer with fresh flowers and champagne. They came in a posture of spiritual poverty need. They had hands open, held to the sky uh, like the ground to receive the rain. They needed God's love for the unlovable, the unloved and the unlovely. That's what we're about at Gospel at Ministries. So here's my translation of Matthew 5, verse 5. Do you know just how fortunate you are? Yes, you. You who are here listening, who really are unimpressed with your own self-importance. The sky is the limit for you. (laughs) So, observations. Prouse is a posture of subjection and need. Oh, we hate that as Americans. But in this posture, at the feet of Jesus, they did not worry much about theological nuances. I mean, did the Spirit proceed from the Father or the Father or the Son? They didn't worry about infra or supralapsarianism or baptism, infant versus adult, or sovereignty free will debate. They weren't interested in that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those debates. We should have those dialogues. Truth is truth. Theology is our friend. But there's a time and a place. Those who came had a different posture, a different need, different priority. They didn't demand. They had no basis for demand. What did Jesus owe them? What did God owe them? If anything, they got what they truly deserved. No honor, no favor, no fill in the blank. So they came needy. Their only hope was not in their own spiritual resumes, their church attendance, how much they gave, or how many stints they did in the nursery. No, they were at the foot of the royal throne needy. They may have been largely ignorant of Jesus, who he was, what he came to do, right? Th- uh, they, didn't, they didn't know. Some were from other lands, other religions. The Jews who came were marginalized from their institutional religion, they were clearly cursed by God, or, or it was implied by their sicknesses, so they came as beggars, shamed beggars. They came willing to hear, willing to receive. Why not? For one theologians, all we need is need, and most of the time we don't even have that. They did. And this Prouse, this fruit of the Spirit, another observation is that it's in God's DNA. It is natural to God, not to us, not to fall in humanity. Listen to Paul describe the mind of Christ Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross, As Philippians 2, 3 to 8. So if I in my flesh wrote Philippians 2, yeah, you know, it's going to sound totally different. It would sound something like this. Well, you deserve what you get and you worked hard and it's not conceit to get what you've earned. It's... Not a lack of humility to expect what is due you. It's only fair. It's also fair that others get what they deserve, too. But that's not your problem. Focus on your rights and preferences. If you don't, who will? Think Jesus. He was the child of God, after all, and so he deserved every bit of the glory and worship and honor and respect of a king. He had every right to demand comfort and honor due someone of his status and substance. So he should have servants, and everyone should bow to him or, or pay the price. Amen. (laughs) Well, that's not Philippians 2, is it? But that's my flesh talking. Implicitly, it's the only way that I can understand the motivation of the three persons of the Trinity. They're not bickering over who is due, who is owed, who is most important, who gets the celestial TV remote this time. By the way, 90% of marriage issues, rubs, or about one or both, likely both, they're not really feeling their need for need. It's all about what they're, they deserve, right? Our faith posture is off. And by the way, wives and wives wannabe, Peter says that your external prousness is, is a measurement of your deep soul beauty. Your beauty is not from your outer appearance, rather from your posture of prousness from inside. Here's what he writes in, in 1 Peter 3, verse 4. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle, that's prous and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And listen, before you uh, blow up, this is exactly the same for men too. It's just Paul. Uh, Peter was saying this in context; he was speaking to women. Jesus was proutes. It's both, right? Looks good on men. That's all I'm saying. So prousness, not thinking less of yourself, but just thinking of yourself less. Uh, per Keller, it's blessed self-forgetfulness. Versus self-absorption. Gentleness speaks of your teachability, James 1.22. It's about not taking your demand so seriously. It also reflects a posture, or spirit, where we're to confront others in love. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. It's a spirit of, of discipline that builds community, not tears it apart. But watch yourself, Paul says, Galatians 6.1. In the, in the Septuagint, gentleness usually describes, signifies a humble disposition, which submits to the divine will. I humbly come. We receive the God's desire for us with Prouse. We restore erring brothers with Prouse and sisters. We correct with sound doctrine and prowess. If one of a, a couple is swimming in prowess, the relationship is tolerable. And when both do it, it can actually become good. Miraculous intimacy and laughter, two people who are no longer taking themselves so seriously. All right. Uh, Another fruit, self-control, ekrotea, to exercise complete control over one's desires and actions, to control oneself, to exercise self-control, right? To hold oneself in is kind of the idiom, to command oneself, to be chief of oneself, to make one's heart be obedient, to command one's own desire, right? To say no to one's body, to addictions, right? Uh, that's this. It's a power of the spirit. Addict, if you're an addict, you could use this, right? We could all use it. This is fascinating. Uh, listen to this not-so-subtle nuance. Usually 10 times out of 10, self-control is what you do, what you... C- recommit to a certain behavior and against certain behaviors. This is why we call it self-control. But here, adopted child of God, son or daughter of God, you can access the power of self-control from the Spirit in you. You know what I mean? And we should probably brand this God Guard, you know, and and publish it, (laughs) package it, something cool like that. So imagine a computer program that protects me from my gotta have or I will die spam, you know, in my midbrain, my addiction. All right, this is a good time to take a break Uh, from our sponsors. We will be right back. So here's Eugene Peterson, self-control is the freedom, or I would say power, but okay, we'll go with that, freedom to discipline and direct our energies wisely, impervious to whim and impulse, bear metric pressures and stock market quotations, delivered from what Philo described as helpless and poverty-stricken, undiscipline. All right, summary. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, Paul says. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5, one. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful natures. Rather, serve one another in love. Right? Show me that guy and that lady. The entire love is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. By the way, it turns out, I guess, Galatians are like us. Uh, So much for interpersonal and societal evolution, right? That's Galatians 5, 13 to 15. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. Well, it seems like the sinful nature in me could give a flip about me or my well-being, the health of my relationships. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Everybody sees so much for our precious free will working. But if you're led by the Spirit, Paul writes, freely subject, submissive, giving up um, my right of free will, then you're not under law. Galatians 5, 16-18. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Galatians 5, 24-26. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows into his sinful nature... From that nature, will reap destruction, right? We're going to rot away. So are you rotting away? Does that what it feels like? Are your relationships rotting away? Your relationship with Jesus deteriorating? Uh, back to Paul, the one who sows into the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. I mean, right now, that's Galatians 6, 7-10. Paul again, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Galatians six, fourteen to fifteen. Right? So Paul is saying if you if you see Prowse in me, it's clearly not me. I didn't get that from my mommy and daddy. And that's that's a huge public testimony, a radical gospel presentation, far more powerful than the cold evangelism explosion talk. Right? It's a God who works within real needy people, soiled people, ugly people, the unloved, the unlovable. Right? Is this your testimony? Do they see you not taking yourself so seriously in difficult relationships? Do, you, do they see you wanting to sacrifice your comfort and time and cash for others? I mean, right? That's miracles. Gospel presentations that others can't help but notice. They may think that you're part of a cult, but hey, you're in a posture, a new posture where you're not taking your reputation so seriously anymore. You don't need to. All right, so the works of the flesh, in summary, paranoid loneliness, hair trigger that leads to fits of rage, an impotence to love or be loved, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, all-consuming yet never satisfied once stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, bent to settle for, desire repetitive and loveless sex, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, ugly parodies of community, consumerism described as worship, magic show religion, love of noisy bickering, cutthroat competition, desire to identify us versus them, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. That list is largely from Eugene Peterson's work. So here's fruit. It's a present experience of God's agape for you as you are and others as they are so that you feel honored and of great value. A reminder that the most important thing about you is that you have been redeemed and that can never be changed ever. The God-sourced ability to really believe that you are who God says you are, a power to be able to willingly choose to delay justice and judgment when bad things happen, the God-sourced motivation to love and to be sacrificial towards others, the God-sourced power to believe this stuff, the God-sourced power to not take yourself so seriously, access to that God-sourced power that gives you the ability to control your extreme want-tos. Whew! There's the battle. So how do I get more of the good stuff? Do I just try harder to be a nice person, to love others? Uh, Good luck with that. I think you've tried. No, ask. We can all do that. Ask. And I said I would put a simple tool in your hands. It's biblical. It's relevant. You know, we have seen great evidence of this actually working, particularly with, with people who have been beat up or addicts. Look, here it is. Say it aloud. Remember, word for word, twice a day, 45 days. You know, more than twice a day, if you're struggling with with relapse, no shame, I've got your back. I believe in you, or better, I believe in the Holy Spirit in you. So just sit back and listen, or say it with me. Jesus follower, strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, God actually loves you. He loves you with all of his heart as much as the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. can't love you any more or any less than he does right now. He loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be. You can't add to this love or take away from it. Now, I get it. It often feels like you've messed it up and need to do something so that God would like you better. Not so. How do you experience it more now? Simple, good news. There is something that you can do and are invited to do. You can take daily baby steps to ask the Spirit inside of you to make you know, experience, and feel just how much God loves you. Right now, just ask. Ask again later today, ask tomorrow. Make it a spiritual habit. It's so simple, right? And and tell me what changes you're noticing uh, that others have noticed, even better. Are you encouraged by that? Send me a brief testimony. I'll put the best on the website. How are you feeling less stressed or more loved by God, a little more hopeful? Are you seeking self-medication a little less often if you're an addict uh, are you seeking drugs, alcohol, porn, cigarettes, sex a little less often? Are you smiling more? Do you feel more loved by God? And remember, keep saying the simple and cluttered gospel twice a day for 45 days. And keep us in touch. Let us know what's happening. Put it in your words, your emotions. Bill at gospel-app.com. Thank you for those who've sent ahead and, and get look I get it it's going to take some time some people start noticing the difference in 10 days some people it's going to take 40 days just drip 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 of good news for your midbrain uh, to grab hold of this this truth and, and you're it's probably new you're processing it you've been through the p2c series all 10 so you're you're hearing some new stuff and but Christian this love is yours this power this this that you can access through the Holy Spirit is yours. So twice a day for 45 days, you will be surprised at the difference it's going to make. Keep me informed, right? Bill at gospel-app.com. I would love to post the great testimonies on the webpage. And again, get, get them in bookmark form. Simple and cluttered Gospel. You can get it at gospelrant.com or gospel-app.com. Uh, get the Gospel App Prayer Card, the one for addicts that I mentioned in this show. You can get that at gospel-app.com as well. Put them all over the house, all over the workplace, in your car. Give them to your 12-step group. Give them to your family so they'll be seeing them with you. So powerful. You'd be surprised how effective this is. It's just a tool. You'd be surprised. I'm just saying. I'm writing a book on the overlooked and underappreciated women of the Old Testament. It's fascinating, and it was time for that book to get out. It'll probably be a series, another Old Testament, and then a New Testament version of it. If you want to know when it's going to be published, get on the list, bill at gospel-app.com. And make sure that you follow this podcast. I mean, my goal is is to have 1,000 people following this podcast, and you can be part of that. Uh, why? Well, first of all, it tells us we're scratching itches, but I, you know, I'm, I'm really a subject to God on that. This is the uh, the message that I promised God we're going to do the, to preach his love for the unlovable. Uh, but it would be interesting to see the effectiveness and how that power is rolling out there. But also, uh, if, if so many people are following, if I get a thousand followers, you'd be surprised how many people who, who are trolling the internet will actually tap into this program. We actually might be able to do some difference, not just in the United States, but throughout the world. So it can make a big, 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 big difference. And as I've said, if you are an addict, Christian, God bless you. So glad you're here. Please stay in your 12-step group. Please stay in counseling. Those things are very, very valuable. Just layer this on top of that. Yeah? And keep listening, we'll probably be going into a series on the book of Job. Uh, it'll be a 10-part series. Uh, I've, I've preached on this years ago, and, and, it was, uh, and a lot of people feel like this was some of the, uh, the best and most powerful and relevant stuff I've ever done, the book of Job. In the meantime, take heart, child of God.